Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Vault. <laughs> today I am joined with my good friend Zach Nelson. Zach, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling alright. His first intro was, welcome back to The Vault. And I was going to say, as if someone is listening to back-to-back episodes of The Vault. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <clears throat> good God. Thank God for the software editing. Zach, I met at Carthage in my four years there. He was one of my very good friends that uh, I ended up coming out from. And I think we have to start there with some of the really strange stories that we ended up accumulating from living in one of the strangest dorms there, living together, and just kind of kind of experiencing some um, really late ni- really late night sport arguments that were influenced by. Uh, some some more than strange people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely Brian's tendency to pick something and argue it to argue it to death. But speak up a little bit okay. more. Yeah, cut this out. So, real quick, how about you go over your story about how you got to Carthage, and then uh, when we first interacted from your side and then I'll go over from my side just so we get this we have the full story straight because you were there do, for a year before do you mean like how I I was going to say how I chose Carthage or like that and then getting into like the first year that I came because then okay. we'll then we'll intersect from the story there okay um, I chose Carthage because I was 17 years old and an idiot and I was like man a private school would probably look better on a resume than a public school I'm going to go there and now I'm in debt <laughs> um yeah, well, actually, like, the actual reason is I won, like, a French scholarship um, that was, like, half my tuition, I think. Uh, but the catch was they had a major in French. So um, I basically pretended to major in French for my first two years. And then once it got to, like, where I had to take major classes, I was like, oh, no, I, I don't want the scholarship anymore. But thanks for the money. I remember that, actually. That was, that was quite the ride. And then you were there for, you were a year older than me. You were there for a full year living with, I forgot, you didn't live with Will, didn't did No, you? This, this is my random. That's random. right, yeah. Go go through that year, and then we'll intersect. At okay. The um, I lived with uh, my roommate, Milton. He was an interesting guy. And by interesting, I mean pretty weird. It's <laughs> um, not like he has any chance of listening to this. Yeah, so sure, you can yeah, say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> God, he was the worst. No, I'm kidding. He was, he was actually mostly okay. Um, I'm trying to think of like a weird oh the, the, I think the weirdest thing he did was um, he got drunk one night and he stole like uh, it was like an angel statue from someone's front yard and it was like it was the angel like kind of praying and she's like looking down at whatever and I come back one day and it's on my desk and I was like dude what the hell is this he's like oh I thought it could watch over you while you were sleeping <laughs> okay, that's pretty fucked up. I actually don't know if I ever heard that story. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I got him to take it away. He put it, like, in a tree outside of Denhart. It was, like, outside of our room, so I could, like, look out. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. So how did you meet Will, Nate, and CJ? Um, well, Nate is actually interesting because I actually played baseball with Nate before like in high school like we played on like a club team together um so i actually knew him from that and then i think we had like a class together and we were like man you look familiar and then we kind of like figured it out and he happened to live on my same floor too and then cj was his roommate so like that's how that kind of happened 
uh, but then Will lived directly across from me. Uh, I was actually friends with his roommate, Griffin. Oh my god. Griffin? Yeah, uh, I know. I remember Griffin well. Yeah, he's yeah. an interesting dude. Um, so I was actually friends with him at first, and then like obviously just like through him met Will and realized, wow, Will's pretty cool. Griffin <laughs> is not. Gotcha. And then the following year, I arrived at Carthage, and I don't think we actually we didn't start hanging out for a while. No, I don't even remember so like, how we met. My my recollection of this is Kyle and I were soccer players. We obviously lived in the middle of the hall, and we lived essentially a room and a half away from Thomas, who is yeah. another one of our friends with interesting history between all of us, and uh, to say the least. And uh, he would just kind of pop into our room because we left our door open all the time and because he's Thomas. And we kind of intersected with him at first. Thomas would do the same thing with Brian, who was down at the end of the hall, and I don't think knew any of us at that time. Um, I actually remember how we started hanging out with Brian. Okay, tell, can... tell that story first. Okay. Um, so I actually like, <clears throat> vaguely knew Thomas just because, like, he would play basketball with Nate freshman year. Um, so I like kind of knew him. And then like that first, like beginning of the year, like floor meeting we had, um, we all like kind of sat together. We were like talking to each other and Brian was just kind of there. And I think he heard us talking about like football or something and just kind of like joined <laughs> the conversation. And like, that was it. Like, that, it was that simple. I was going to say that actually does sound like something Brian would do to be yeah. fair to him. Um, as, as a little bit of a reminder context, I guess, this is on the second floor of Madrigrano, the probably the worst residence hall at Carthage. Had the nickname, I don't know, it had the nickname... I lived in Denhart. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> I think it had the worst reputation, it had the nickname Dirty South. We saw some pretty fucking strange things there, that which is, we'll, get in, we'll get into. I, actually, um, I was actually just reminded of one of the weird things on New Year's Eve, so I will... I was going to say, save yeah. it for like in five minutes. Yeah. And then... Um, from my roommate Kyle and I meeting Thomas, we kind of just met Brian, and then Thomas was like, hey, we play way too much fucking FIFA. This guy down the hall named Zach also plays way too much FIFA. Uh, you guys should play. And I think the first recollection I have of meeting you was when you came into my room um, with Zach and Brian. We like... I said like, oh hey, what's up, real quick, and then you t- you tried to do the um, the parrot joke, uh, the the like pickup line where it's like if you on, had on if, you yeah on me and I didn't know you what I I don't not very well I think it was pretty funny because what you tried to do was like the whole um, if you if you were a pirate would yeah. your parrots sit on this shoulder or this shoulder and you like throw your arm around somebody. But I was sitting on my bed, and Kyle and I had them bunked. You sat next to me, smacked your fucking head on like like the top of like the bottom of Kyle's really? yeah on the bottom of Kyle's bed. And I was like, "Are you fucking like Are you good?" And this is like the this is legitimately the first time I remember meeting you. I hundred percent. I do not remember this at all. <laughs> but it was it was so strange. And then from there, I know because um, I think I started hanging out with you and then Nate. CJ a little bit. It took a while for, not exactly a while, but a little bit for Will. But that's kind of how I remember meeting most of you guys through that. And then we finally played video games like FIFA together. And then you guys introduced me into the world of Smash. 
yes. and Mario Kart, but mostly yes. Smash. And from there, it was just kind of over, and we had our we had our gang yeah, together. Definitely. Uh, but that's that's how I remember it happening. But it was really it was a lot of like like slow burn. Just one day at a time, Thomas would be like, "Hey, we're playing you know video games in like Nate and CJ's room. Come over real quick." And I'd be like, "All right, fine." And everybody would be just mm-hmm. sitting there. Yeah. Things like that would happen, or uh, he'd be like, "Hey, let's go grab a game of FIFA in like Zach's room or in my room or something like that." And then it just kind of snowballed into everything we ended up doing together. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because thankfully we were all you know very into sports and would play like basketball together and um, all these things. So we became pretty good friends pretty fast. It, yeah. was, it was fun. I was going to say, you just like being into soccer, I think helped a lot because like I don't know many people who are like actually into it. So just like having someone to talk to about that made it pretty easy. We Americans who like soccer are a rare breed. Yes. Um, yes. Let's see. And then the next year, we made the for better or for worse decision to all live next to each other in Johnson uh, in two different triple rooms. And <laughs> thinking back on it, I cannot believe we didn't like tear each other's throats out. Yeah. I mean, we <laughs> thankfully we're all you know polite and um, you know like clean enough to not have that shitty of habits. But like, oh my god. They say don't live with your friends or like don't be roommates with your friends and we broke that rule and it ended up working out more than fine still but it was like i don't know we could probably sit here and complain for 20 minutes about how shitty nate it was to like try and fight nate uh for the bathroom in the morning sundays oh my god yeah that kid uh, <laughs> spent so much time in the bathroom. I actually just, that just reminded me of a really funny story, but it's super embarrassing for you. I don't know if you want me no, to No, let's say hear it. it. Let's hear it. It's the uh, whole point of this. Well, I mean, your mom's going to listen to this, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And probably my grandparents, too. Yeah. Oh, no. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, so you also had a tendency to take a long time in the bathroom, but it was, it was like very inconsistently. And we were like, <laughs> I wonder if Luke's like jacking off in the bathroom. <laughs> And uh, it happened like a few times, and like every time you took like you know a half hour, we'd be like, oh, Luke's probably jer- jerking off in there. But it was just like a joke. We didn't actually know what you were doing. <laughs> and then one day, I walk into the bathroom when Luke was done, and I just see this bottle of lotion like sitting on the toilet. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I came uh... out the bottle of lotion. I was like, hmm, Luke, what were you uh, what were you doing in here for so long? Oh God! Perks of sharing a bathroom in college. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then after we we successfully survived that year, and then moved all together into the Oaks, the actual nice part of campus where we probably should have been living, you know, previously. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that was a little bit less hectic. And you actually graduated a semester early, so yes. you weren't there for the entire yes. part of it. I am better than all of you. Not yes. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how our 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 friend group got formed, stayed together, and then um, now after college, we're obviously you know in various jobs, other settings, but still keep up with each other to the best of our ability. Uh, me probably being the biggest shortcoming. Overall, I mean, I'm really thankful I met you guys in college because oh, yeah, it was absolutely. it was very fun. Um, they really do say it's funny that like your friends in college are the people that live next to you like when you're a freshman and that was true for me obviously true for you guys too yeah but like it's shocking how well it worked out yeah for sure um and 
Yeah, I mean, I even had plenty of other friends like my freshman year that lived by me that like I didn't like carry on through college. But at least that first year, like those were like the people I hung out with, people mm-hmm. who were like randomly assigned to live next to me. And it works out for whatever reason. Yeah. But there's, it's not like Carthage really does any, you know, actual like algorithm matching that would actually be helpful or anything like that. But um, we definitely have a, re- a collection of fun stories. And I'm, I wanted to go through a couple of them that I, I had written down here and remembered. Um, I'll start. And then if you have more that like you okay. think of or yeah. have prepared, we'll, yeah. just, we'll fire through them. So the first one was in, it was in Montegrano. It was probably, it's one of the hardest I've ever laughed in my life. And it comes from our friend that we previously mentioned, Thomas, had this awful habit of getting food and leaving his receipts lying oh around. Oh my god! He would leave. He would, and it's so strange because he would like. Sometimes he would throw. He would like keep his trash around too, which was annoying. But the majority of the time, and what stuck out was that he would leave. Like we would just see receipts for like chicken strips or like a sub sandwich, just kind of like in strange places in our rooms, and we're like, "What the fuck is going on? Why can't this kid just throw his shit away?" Um, it got so bad that I th- was it Brian that had like the huge stash of them, no, it or was, was it Will? It was Will. That's right. Our friend Will just started collecting them <laughs> because at some point we were gonna make use of it. And finally one day, I can't remember who had the idea. I th- it was either you. I think it might have been you. You were like, "Hey, let's stash one under your roommate, my roommate, yeah. Kyle. Other, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's stash one under." or under his uh, blanket on top of his pillow <laughs> of his made bed because then he'll get really mad at Thomas and it might actually be kind of funny. Yeah. And Because Kyle was like kind of a, I don't want to say like a clean freak, but like... He he liked to keep his stuff clean and he hated it when Thomas would leave shit yeah. in a room. He complained oh, yeah. to us all the time oh, yeah. about it because it happened often enough. And, um, <laughs> and so finally we were like, huh, that actually, that actually might work out pretty well. And little did we know... It was executed to perfection because um, we, we like set a trap where essentially either Kyle and Thomas were playing FIFA in my room or something was happening in my room. We left the receipt under the blanket on top of his pillow. And then um, not, not so much later, Kyle came back. No, Kyle wasn't there. Yeah. Kyle came back, saw it, and we were in your room. I remember this. And we left the door open, and all we could hear was, Thomas, why did you leave another fucking receipt in our room, on my bed even? And Thomas appears in the hallway. He must have been somewhere else, because now now I actually remember the visuals of this. Thomas appears out in the hallway, and he's so confused, because, I mean, we set him up for this, and it it was pretty bad, but... He looks at he looks at my roommate and he goes like, "What are you talking about?" And Kyle is, has had enough at this point and like like starts to like put him in a headlock or something. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what was happening, but Thomas the entire time was like, "I did not do this. Like I I, I know I've done this in the past, but this one is not me." And he was and Kyle was just not having it. And meanwhile, in your room, we are literally dying. fucking dying. <laughs> Listening to this, absolutely like keeled over hearing this because it worked out so unbelievably well. <laughs> But that was that was one of the the that was a pretty stereotypical shenanigan that would take place in, in the second floor of Montegrano for us. Yeah, that was funny. I forgot about that. <laughs> what a blessed time. Um. So the one I was gonna add, I was actually just talking to Brian about this because uh, I went to Brian's house on New Year's Eve. Uh, remember Dan? Oh my God, Gay, gay Dan. Dan? <laughs> <laughs> what a legend. Uh, 
Remember when Nate was going around, uh, like, Snapchat, like, putting people on a Snapchat story, and it's like, hey, do the dab. Like, when the dab was, like, a thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I remember this. Um, so, for some context, Dan was this weird kid who lived on our floor. And I, I, when I say weird, I mean, like, super fucking weird. Like, this kid looked like a gremlin. Um, <laughs> he was a little off the reservation, yeah. Yeah, just a bit. Um, he, like, hated being videotaped for whatever reason. I don't know if he thought, like, the the CIA was going to... I don't, I, don't, I don't even know. Um, and he, like, made this known. So Nate would kind of, like, like, try and put him on his story and, like, piss him off because it was just hilarious. Um, <laughs> and actually... I actually just had Nate send me the video. I can, oh my god! I could I could like show you, but that would be terrible. Yeah. Terrible radio. Bad radio. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a video of Nate standing at the end of the hallway, and Dan had just gone come out of the shower. So he's literally wearing a towel, and I don't, he wasn't wearing flip flops. That's how weird this kid was. No, he wouldn't yeah. wear flip flops in the shower. He was bare feet, and uh, Chris, RRA, uh, Nate's like taking a snapshot of him. And he's like, Chris, hit the dab. Chris, Chris, hit the dab. And Dan sees that Nate is, like, videotaping him. And this kid, in a towel, full sprints down to the end of the hall. And Nate's just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. I actually, I'm so glad you brought that up because I remember the visual of that now. Because I remember watching that video. It was so fucking funny. God. What an amazing, what a weird fucking guy. God. Remember uh, then on move out day, we saw his mom and she was like unbelievably hot. Yes, that made no sense. His sister had actually come to visit earlier too. And she was also, she was a looker too. Wow. It made no sense. Um, oh, the next one, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm going to tell it now or if I'm going to save it for a group, but CJ's dramatic night. In Johnson, I think we should that save. Was, I think we should save it. That actually, was my other story. So yeah, I think I'm gonna save that one. I'll get into the next one. When the Cubs won the World Series, we mm. were living together in oh. Johnson, and we we watched Game Seven. Hin, you know, a few of you guys hin just absolutely bolted to the seats because you guys are actually yeah. Cubs fans. And it was just me and Brian. That's true. Yeah. Um, and I'll always remember the I, I still have the videotape reaction of as soon as Chris Bryant, you know, gets the last out, you guys freak out. Someone accidentally like basically punches Brian in the jaw. Uh, and then we was it, was it me? I think it might have been you actually. Oh man. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Um doesn't really hinder his celebration. He runs out, punches out like four holes in yeah, the like like shitty shitty stealing that we had down in the hallway. Run out. And there's a bunch of you know morons at Carthage just streaming out of the oh, yeah. uh, streaming out of the residence hall, screaming because the Cubs won. And then that the was, ensuing um, that was pretty cool though, like because like there was like a hundred people out there like blasting probably like, Cubs more go, than that actually. Like, yeah, the w flags. it was it was a cool moment for sure. And yeah. then the ensuing Cubs World Series parade we actually ended up going to. That, that was, really was cool. kind of phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, what there were like. It was one of the largest gatherings of people. Like six in like million history. people there. That was yeah. so cool. Um, it was unbelievable to go to. And uh, I think we ended up actually going to like... We went to the fucking... We went to the uh, Shadokorium. We went to the Shadokorium <laughs> right after. Yeah, that's right. Because like we obviously couldn't get close enough to like see anything. Because there were so many people So there. many fucking people. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we went to the Aquarium. 
It was a fun time. <laughs> it was a really fun time. Um, there was that. And then something that we did so unbelievably often, um, mostly in, uh, let's see. Actually, okay, I have two more. This first one is just kind of a general wait, wait, one. Can I actually add on to the Cubs thing? Yes, you can. Um, go for I, it. I had to tank my accounting grade to go. Oh, that's right. Tell the tell the story. I forgot about this. Um, so like Cubs won the World Series, and a few days later they announced like when they're gonna have the World Series parade. It was like on a Monday. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I had an accounting exam that day, that's like right. when the parade was gonna be, and like my professor like had this policy of like you better be dying if you're like missing one of my exams otherwise you get a zero so i emailed my professor i wrote her like this long essay basically saying like hey (laughs) um i'm a huge cubs fan the cubs just won the world series this hasn't been done in over 100 years can you like find it in your heart to like let me go and like celebrate this this is like one of the like craziest events of my entire Mm -hmm. life and she responded and said, basically said no. And I was like, oh my God, no. And then from some miracle, she replies like probably two days before the exam. She's like, okay, like I'll let you come in like super early in the morning to take the exam to like, so you can go. Cause I think, I think she mentioned like a lot of other people were saying like a lot of what she said, a lot of other people in like her other classes that didn't have an exam that day had like family emergencies oh my god they had, to, they had to miss class for that's pretty funny actually so i think she kind of kind of picked up on it so i had to get up at like like 6 7 in the morning take this accounting exam which kind of sucks because like this was like i was so bad at accounting but this was like one part that i knew i was like gonna do well on on the on the exam and but I was like, my mind was just not on the <laughs> So I like, I like raced through it. I got like a 62% on it, but like, whatever, it was worth it. Yeah. God, that was such a fun day. Um, I think I have like, I have like two more things. The first one was uh, all of the late night lounge arguments we would have in Madrigrano, where we had, we had one really shitty, like very stereotypical college lounge at the end of our hallway. And many nights we would just kind of like we would just capitalize it take it over and sit and talk about the stupidest sports arguments we possibly could until like three in the morning some nights yeah like it was ridiculous it would it would, it would be over the stupidest things too uh, I, remember, um, I remember one night we stayed up so late that you just stayed out there and watched the arsenal game oh that was that was like six in the morning that was later that was uh that was in the oaks but yeah oh yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had those nights too, where we would. Those came from, if I remember right, one of them came from watching uh, the new Maze Runner movie, and literally, yeah, I watched. Oh yeah, I watched it with. Um, I watched it with Will and Thomas, and we literally just we watched it and talked about that, and then just like stayed talking until it was literally light out wow. afterwards. Yeah, but we had so many of those nights, and they yeah. were like, the thing was they were kind of the most some of the most fun ones for me at least, just because. It's kind of what you look for in like a really good group of friends is just like someone you could have these stupid conversations with but they don't get old mm-hmm. and obviously i mean we have some friends who are a little bit more argumentative than others mostly like oh, right yeah mo- i wasn't gonna well yeah i was gonna say that too but um it keeps it rolling at some oh, yeah. point oh yeah like it's never a dull moment <laughs> never at all but no i'll always always cherish those thinking about how 
random people would just be walking by hearing us screaming about how <laughs> like in in those days you know is Steph Curry really going to be the first unanimous MVP like does he actually deserve that title or like uh god I can't think of any other any other specific ones off the top of my head but that's where we that's where we really duked it out for a long time yeah or Brian and Thomas like shitting on the Packers because they're like such massive bear fans. Oh my god! How many times we had to go over? You know, do the refs actually change the rules for the Packers? <laughs> was kind of ridiculous. And I think the last thing we have to mention, I think we'd be doing ourselves a disservice, is how into Smash Bros. we got. Oh yeah, in college. I like mean, I, I still am. I we I think everyone still is because yeah. of how much we played in college, but. Dude, I just I just bought Sekiro. It's so fun. Oh my god. I, I haven't gotten any of the new DLC characters. I don't know if I, I'm going to. I, but... I haven't either, wow. but like I have I have Steve because uh, I play with my cousin <laughs> and fucking Steve. Yeah, and, like I play with my cousin and they all bought it and they like peer pressured me. It's five dollars. But uh that reveal tra- trailer for Sephiroth, I was like, Oh my god. He oh, so Nintendo so cool. Nintendo yeah. really gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um but really me personally when I was a kid, I had Super Smash Bros. Brawl for the Wii that I played on the Wii mode and a nunchuck. Yep, same. <laughs> and that was the extent of it. And then I get to college, I meet you guys, and you guys essentially introduce me into the world of, like, you better get good at Smash on a yeah. GameCube controller or you're going to be left behind. And we played... Holy shit. Um, if I had to put a, a guess on the amount of days, like the percentage of days that I was in college... That I played Smash Bros. sometime during the day, oh. it would be over fifty percent. Oh, think. easily. Like, easily. Even even when we were in the Oaks and drifted away from that and did other stuff, like it was. You're right. It's probably easily over fifty oh, yeah, percent. It was sure. insane how yeah. often we played that game and like, you know, had had like small petty fights start from it, settled arguments Straight with stuff targeting. like that, <laughs> where we we would end up furious with each other. It was unbelievable, but it was. Oh my god, it was always so much fucking fun. Oh yeah, and it's even, still like when we when even, we convene today, like that's still what we, oh, yeah. we, still what we do usually. Yeah, I mean, I anytime you guys want to play, I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, I'm ready. You but think like, there's gonna be? You think uh, you know in ten years when we're listening back on this, are we gonna be playing? You know the the S- next Smash Seven, <laughs> Smash Seven on whatever fuck Nintendo the, decides to okay, put out. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. the Nintendo, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, but um, really, it was it's it's. Like, but, a religious game for us at this rate. Yeah, even getting absolutely buck fucked by Will every time. Will was every time so much better than us. He would was still fun. He would pick characters that he would think like. I like, mean, they were this, literally like we looked up the tier list. It was like the lowest tier characters. Basically, troll characters, and would think, "Can I absolutely dumpster these people with them?" And, and yes, yes, the answer, the is answer yes. was always <laughs> yes. We had we had the Will rule where it, we would always play you know, obviously like free for alls, but. If it was Will and two yep. other people at the yeah, end, you got Will out and then you fought it out. Most of the time it didn't work and he would win <laughs> still, but that's just how things were settled because of how good he was. Yeah. Or sometimes you'd like turn on your, your partner because you're like, you know, I want second place. <laughs> yeah, that's great. God. It's a moral victory. Unbelievable. Who, okay, real quick off the top of your head, can you remember three most played characters in college? Not now, but the ones that we... The ones that you played in college, college most. And versus versus now. Versus, uh, so do the ones we, in college first, and then we'll do the ones Yeah, because we did Smash 4 in college. Yes, we did. I played Shulk a lot. 
people got mad. Oh, you did Shulk. play Shulk a lot. And I would always play as the shirtless one. Oh my god, that's so right. The fucking like like teenage teenage boy with you know full frontal nudity. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, I, Dark Pit was in Ultimate, right? Or not Ultimate? Yeah, he was in. Yeah, he was yeah, in four. Yeah, yeah. I played Dark Pit a, a lot, lot of Dark Pit. I remember that. Uh, oh yeah, Ian knows. He's over there laughing. Um, Martha Lucina. Oh damn, you did play a lot of Marth. Yeah. That was fucking annoying. I remember that. Hitting tippers. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus I'll, Christ. I'll look up the, the roster. Go for it. In the meantime. Yeah, you give yours. I think I started, because when you guys got me this match, I barely knew how to play. Um, I kind of drifted towards Falco for a while. And I think he was my, like, Smash 4 main. I was still fucking garbage with him. Um, and then I got a little bit into... Uh, Cloud, which yeah. I remember annoyed the fuck out of Brian because Cloud was way too good. Brian, for, like, Brian just got mad at anyone with a sword. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then uh, Mario a little bit. Mostly, right. I, I kind of found that I really enjoyed anyone with a spike because mm. at some point, if you realize you're not going to win, you just spike. try and do stuff that looks cool. And Mario could do that. It was just, it took a lot of skill and I was not very good. So... A lot of times I wouldn't win, but I would have like one moment in the game where I'd be like, oh, that was fucking awesome. I'm satisfied. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, now that Smash Ultimate is out and we play on our Switch, I, I, you know, from time to time, I am a Ganondorf main until the day I die. Uh, my, my guy that I can take, you know, I can take a beating on and then it takes me two moves and I am back in the game. Um, <laughs> Him and Captain Falcon, and it's kind of it, honestly. This is the only two I really play nowadays. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm looking at the Smash Four roster, and I, I think I covered them all. Like I didn't really play anyone else consistently, but like Smash Ultimate definitely expanded my, my arsenal, I guess. Um, I play Ganondorf a lot. I'm the superior Ganondorf. Oh my god! I think he. Oh, you did win that title. That's right. Oh, Fuck yeah. me. Um, I'm just like scrolling through Dark Pit, uh, King DDD. I started playing a lot. He's really fun. He is really fun. That was actually that was something else I played in Smash Four a whole lot. Uh, Paltana, Zelda. I fucking despise when you play both of those. That's right. She's so good. <laughs> um, and it's I think a little bit of King Carol. I wouldn't say he's like a main or anything, but he's mm, he's just fun. Yeah. But yeah, we goddamn. I think I think Smash is the right thing to wrap up the the Carthage Days talk because yeah, sure. it's it's just fitting with how much we played. Okay, next thing I wanted to get into. You you can tell me if I'm full of shit with this, but okay. I put some. I was thinking about this. I think I we had actually discussed this a while ago, and then it came up. It came up in my head last year as the Bucks were in the playoffs, but. Our favorite NBA teams, yours, the Milwaukee Bucks, mine, yes. the Golden State Warriors, have some weird timeline parallels that they're going through. And I'll, I'll lay out the case real quick, and then you can tell me if I'm full of shit or not. Okay. But essentially, both teams have drafted a generational talent that has that took a few years to actually develop into understanding mm-hmm. they were a generational talent. They haven't exactly they didn't exactly find the right pieces to put around that generational talent for quite a few years 
um, and had some playoff success, but it was very limited, uh, if any at all, actually. Then their star became the relative face of the league, and in I guess in the in Giannis's case, in the Bucks case, he kind of still is the face of the league. Steph uh, is just kind of a different case where everyone kind of knows who he is nowadays, and he's not like. He's not on the upswing anymore. He's just yeah. kind of at his at his peak. I feel like everyone kind of forgot about stuff just because like Cause the, the Warriors were so bad last year, and now like Clay's hurt. The Warriors aren't like as they're not, they're not like title. They're not this year. they're not the Warriors yeah, that they exactly. were of the last five years. Yeah. yeah. And then lastly, um, at some point they faced or now currently in the Bucks case faced these championship level expectations from here on out, and the Warriors, you know, through one of one of their own, I shouldn't even say that. Uh, through, you know, three title teams together, one without Kevin Durant, two with free agency and Kevin Durant, but, and have now since kind of faced the repercussions of being so good for so long. But it now remains to be seen whether or not the Bucks can capitalize on their generational talent they drafted and actually have been, you know, what it looks like trying to surround him with the right Yes. Pieces to actually make a run of the championship. Yes. Would you agree and with that? I would agree with that. And I think this is the first year that they've ever had the pieces. Like, I, I think you're laughing at me. But I mean, I, I, I hope they do. I don't I, know I, if I they do, but I hope they so. I think they do. Um, I think Eric Bledsoe was a great player. First team all defense. And I, like, respect the hell out of him. But he just wasn't, like, a good fit schematic. Watching him play on the Pelicans right now is kind of tough, I'm going to be honest. He's I, hitting so many threes, and I'm like, where was, <laughs> where was this for the last three years? That's um, true. But, I mean, Drew Holiday is, like, a great creator, great three-point shooter, great defender. Dante DiVincenzo, I cannot believe it. I can't believe I'm saying this, but, like, he is playing out of his mind. It's a young season. It's only like, only like 10 games in, but... It's like he, it's like he, you know, got he took the he took the weird, uh, tr- you know, trade that never happened with um oh my god what the what the hell oh, is that Bogdan with Bogdanovich yeah uh to heart and was decided to show the Bucks that you know they were gonna fuck up if they dealt him yeah, yeah. it was pretty yeah. it's pretty cool actually yeah. um, um but I mean you know I've been the biggest drum beater Chris Middleton is good for the last like five years you and are literally the you are the leader of the Chris Middleton fan club yeah, yes and I'm correct he's two straight all-star appearances like Chris Middleton is good what? did he make an all-nba team at all in the last couple of years I don't think so oh my god no that's right he didn't make it last year but Russell Westbrook did and that was the big yeah that was the big thing that's right I remember um, that and then obviously Giannis and I mean Brooke Lopez is just Brooke Lopez is just a stretch five um he's hot and cold um, I mean, I think this is the best that the Bucks have been in the last, like in the in the Giannis era. I really think so. Um, I think they, I think their bench got a little weaker, but I do still think it's like pretty solid. I like Sam Merrill and I like Jordan Oro, who they just drafted. Um, I really like Bobby Portis coming off the bench. He's only on like a two or three million a year deal, so I feel like that's a steal. Um. Yeah, DJ Augustine was a great signing. I completely forgot the Bucks signed DJ yeah. Augustine. That's right. Both um, Torrey Craig coming back. I think he'll be huge in the playoffs. Just like playing like good quality minutes, playing good defense. So might be the, the time. Yeah. The talent's there. I think it's really just up to Mike Budenholzer. Because 
I don't know enough about basketball, like X's and O's wise, to like accurately explain it. But basically, like the Heat figured out the Bucks' offense. We didn't change what we were doing, and we lost four one. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I there were there were a lot of calls for Budenholzer's head last year that I can remember. Yeah, uh, definitely were. <laughs> I can't remember if you were on that train too or not. Um, but... I was. I was one of Bledsoe or Budenholzer has to go, and one did, and one didn't. So that's right. So now it remains to be seen. But going back, do you think there's any uh, any credence to the weird like like timeline theory that I have? Because I was thinking about it. This kind of seems to be the path to championships for like homegrown teams mm. not teams that are built out of free agency like yeah. we've kind of seen in, the, in recent years with the, the lakers, lakers and the raptors with Kawhi lakers, leonard heat, um and the heat with LeBron. jimmy butler i meant like with lebron and oh and like, yes and back to them. even even more so um it seems like when you actually draft your your generational talents that end up taking you far in the playoffs it takes it takes a, f- a decently long time for things to gel in together, and you have to have those like playoff roadblocks. Where in the Warriors' case, it was, you know, 2012, 2013, finally make the playoffs for the first time since we believe mm-hmm. uh, in 2007, and they actually won in the first round, which was incredible. One of my favorite, honestly, like top five favorite Warriors memories. And they they actually ended up taking the Spurs that year to six, and they were the only team the. Um, What's it called? The Spurs lost to in the West that year. Uh, next year, they kind of stumbled in the first round against the Clippers. Uh, never forget Game 7, 2014. St- uh, Chris Paul fouled Steph Curry for the end of that <laughs> game. Still not over it. Um, and then in 2015, they exploded. Steph, you know, took it to a whole nother level, won the MVP. Ended up beating the Cavs that year for the, for the title. And then from there, it's just like, the expectations were raised. Everybody knew who they weren't like the young upstart team anymore. They were, you know, they had the championship level expectations, and it only got worse after you know Kevin Durant signed, obviously as it should. But uh, it seems like the Bucks are on that path. With if I let me see if I get the let me see if I get the years right, because in I think they first maybe not first made the playoffs with Giannis, but last year they went to the conference finals with or no sorry they made it to the second round. Uh, after winning in the first round, lost to the eventual um, finals contender in Miami in five games, which was kind of out of nowhere and a little yeah. embarrassing for the Bucks. Uh, um, well, the Celtics also got that is true. Handed to them, so I don't feel as bad anymore. The Almost ye- like the bubble, like come yeah, on, that's true. The bubble, that. <laughs> we can we can throw out that year. The year before, you guys did make it to the conference finals. Yes, lost in six to the Toronto. Raptors, who ended up winning the title fucking injuries um but that was some real playoff experience and some real playoff success yes. the year before and I, th- I think the two years before the bucks lost in the first round if i remember right once to the celtics oh, yeah, they, i think they did this to the celtics. i think it was a year before they lost to the celtics in the first round and that was that weird isaiah thomas team that ended up making it was like a game away from the finals that yeah, year it might have been. and they, then they actually did make the playoffs like one time before that i think they were like like a seven or eight seed and they got demolished by the Bulls and I remember Giannis like punched Mike Dunleavy yeah that's right that's where fuck Mike Dunleavy came yeah, from yeah, yeah. that's right he was suspended for like the first two games of the next season god that's right and then 
what the year before the Celtics lost, they lost in the first round again. Is it to the Raptors? I think it might have been. I, I think know. this is like this is like 2016, 17. God, I can't keep all these playoff losses straight as a Wisconsin sports fan. <laughs> let me let me look it up. Uh, but I will say if okay, if so, that's right. Um, okay, 14, 15, they lost to the Bulls. To be honest, knocked out Mike Dunleavy. Then the next year they finished 12th. They did not make the playoffs. 16, 17, lost to the Raptors in the first round. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. 17, 18, lost to the Celtics. Uh, 18, 19 was when they went to the conference finals, and then obviously last year. Uh-huh. And then this year remains to be seen. Um, they obviously look good still. Giannis is still probably, if not the best, you know, top three in the league. Uh, I don't know. It remains to be seen. But they, they're on the path. Hopefully, it's actually winning a championship. I would kind of. It would so. be pretty fucking cool if they won. While I still live in Milwaukee, although I don't know if I could actually celebrate it because of COVID. But yeah. um, be cutting it close there. Yeah, that'd although, be rough. I mean, the season should go later this year. So, really? Yeah. Oh, I actually didn't know. Oh no, no, no! They're they're started in well, they started in summer. Christmas. Yeah. But only seventy-two games. Oh, it'll still go longer. Yeah, yeah, you're right. At least a little bit, because like the vaccine might be. We might all be vaccinated by like you know June or July. Fucking hope that so. Could, that could be like a celebration of like <laughs> COVID's over. The Bucks just won the title. Let's go. I can't believe that I am now living in Wisconsin while the Packers might win the Super Bowl, the Bucks might win the title, and I might get to celebrate none of it <laughs> in person. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think you know, as an optimistic person, I think the Bucks are going to do it. Obviously, Giannis is, um, you know, the, the question of whether Giannis was going to re-sign this summer with the Bucks. I mean, you, personally, you never thought it was in doubt. No. Myself, I was really worried, and living in Milwaukee, being around in Milwaukee for a while before he actually made the decision to re-sign, people were legitimately anxious. Like, very, a huge no. amount of people were legitimately anxious, like, from like I, casual I mean, Bucks fans to like I mean, I business know. owners. I mean, I know why they were. Oh, okay, yes, like we're legitimately anxious, and a lot of this stuff hinged on I, him. I know signing. why they were anxious though. Um, so I mean, like Giannis, his entire career, like the Bucks took a chance on him. Like he was this poor kid from Greece, playing in like the second division in uh, <laughs> Greece basketball, and. They drafted this kid, and like, ever since he's been here, he's been like, "Oh my god, like I love Milwaukee. This like I feel like I'm at home here. I'm gonna, I want to like raise my family here." Never mentioned anything about leaving. He's always like wanted to stay, but then, you know, Giannis wins a back-to-back MVP, and the national media is like, "Ooh, I don't like the fact that the back-to-back MVP plays in such a small market. <laughs> Let's try and get him to." Golden State. Let's try and get him to New York or Boston. Miami. Or Miami. Miami was the big one I always thought. Yeah. So I was never worried, but God, I was so tired of like the Jersey photoshops and like the stupid like ESPN Bleacher Report articles. Like, you you would text me probably once every couple weeks about this awful Warriors fan oh, account like, on Twitter. It, that no, would, it wasn't a fan account. Or no, no, it was the NBCSN Bay Area. Yeah, like yeah. The official verified account. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They the tweet NBCSN. more about Giannis than the Warriors. Yeah, that's right. You would tweet me pictures of their like Photoshop Warriors Giannis uh, jerseys every couple of weeks it, with with like pure malice. <laughs> yeah, like, God, 
The media is just so powerful. Like <laughs> they are. Yeah, it has real influence in the world of sports. Yeah, exactly. Like, which is kind of fucked up, but yeah. still. Um Yeah, I I don't know. It is it is strange because our teams as we get to root for them um really got their shot through drafting talent rather than yes. acquiring it. I oh. mean, the Warriors the Warriors drafted Steph, then Clay, then Dre. Also got to throw in like Harrison Barnes in there. Uh, did get Andrew Bogut from the Bucks in free agency or through a trade actually. God bless Monte Ellis. Monte have it all, but uh, he needed to go. Thanks again, by the way. Um, and then obviously also acquired Andre Iguodala in free agency. But they, it was I don't know the the three Hall of Famers that are going to come out of it are Steph, Clay, and Dre. Well, hopefully Dre makes the Hall of Fame. But still, are, um, are you not forgetting? Well, I'm also another certain. I'm also signing? I'm also going to mention. They won the they won their first title right. with like yeah. with just that talent. Yeah, I still would have traded everything else that came afterwards for the 2016 title, which they fell yeah. you know four points short of. But yeah. um, then the next year, obviously, you know, the the perfect storm of circumstances with salary cap and timing ends up, and they get Kevin Durant. You know, yeah. arguably one of the most generational basketball superstars of all time. Probably gonna end up like a top 15 guy all time. And just tear the league apart for two years, and probably should have been three, but injuries come for come for everybody at some point. Um, but now your team kind of has to start, you know, they have to it, it'll it has to come to fruition at some point, right? Or it, it hopefully yeah. will, where yeah. it'll manifest itself in so. in the form of a title. Um, the, it just this just like came into my head when you said something about like um, our teams having to like built through the draft and like not or like homegrown teams like it takes yes. it takes them a while yes. i think it's because like most of these homegrown teams that it like takes a while to like build are like the small markets like if you look at like the lakers like they didn't really build anything they just kind of saw well, lebron trade for they could have they could have they but, and and i, they I imagine they didn't have to that's true some laker fans would probably still say this is the product of like their homegrown team because they traded like Lonzo and Ingram and all I these guess, pieces like, for Anthony Davis, but still yes. they still signed LeBron and free agency. Yeah. And they, it's not like yeah. the only young guy that they started with left on the team is Kyle Kuzma. Exactly. And, and he barely plays because like he's not, <laughs> he's not that good. And he's just not that LeBron. good. Yeah. yeah. But, um, overall, no, it's, it's, uh, it's been the case like that yeah. for maybe what, like the Mavericks, yeah, um, the well, the Celtics, sort of with Paul Pierce, but they still got yeah, but they Ray, Ray Allen, Allen and KG from free um, agency. I was gonna mention Toronto, who was like a perennial like top three team in the East, and then they get Kawhi Leonard out of nowhere, yeah. win a title one year, and yeah. are back to just being like a pretty good team. Pretty in the good, East. yeah. yeah. Uh, there's not a, there's not a lot of teams that have done it. I yeah, mean, exactly. I mean, and it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of special in a, in, a, in an I, awesome way because I think so. At least this is the you know this is the sentimental sports fan side of things. Like you get to root for the guys that you saw just get better over a long period of time. Yeah. Like like looking back at Giannis when he was like a twig <laughs> and he was like 19 years old and now he's like what 20 26. I like think so. Jacked He's and the back-to-back MVP, like an absolute specimen. Yeah. It's so cool to like see your team get built over the years. And he's like, yeah, you get to look like, yeah, this has been my guy for six years. Yeah, and 
interestingly, like as a Warriors fan, I got both sides of the coin because I got to watch Steph go from like, hey, this rookie is like pretty good. He's a dang good shooter to all of a sudden like, oh my God, this guy averages 30 a game, can shoot from half court and it's like a legitimately good shot. He's going to change the way basketball is played. Um, to the point where then by god he did it yes by by god he did it and then all of a sudden kevin durant comes and it's like it's this weird feeling where i get to root for this guy who's like oh my god he can get a bucket at any time he's gonna take our he literally you know was the finals mvp for two years because he was so goddamn good and absolutely essentially like we torched anyone in our path but it always felt like I don't even want to say artificial because that's not the right word, but it didn't feel the same as like, yeah, you know, the Warriors did this themselves. It was like, we just kind of lucked into getting a generational superstar and he yeah. kind of took us over the top even more than we already were. And I will always remember 2017, 2018, we sweep the Cavs in what could have been a good series, but game one, J.R. Smith forgot what the score was in a finals game. And you know, uh, what happened there happened, but at the end of game four, everybody's celebrating. You know, the Warriors won the title. Woo. It was kind of expected. Kevin Durant wins his second straight finals MVP. And people, like a lot of Warriors fans, are pissed. Legitimately, like some don't even care about winning the title anymore. It was more important that Steph would have been finals MVP to them over actually winning a title. It was crazy. And that that kind of mentality of like like root for your guys over anything can kind of muddy like it's pretty much the reason why no sports fan ever actually becomes like you know they don't work for teams and become general managers yeah but it's also the reason you're a sports fan like it's exactly. really oh, yeah, it's exactly. awesome to yeah. like root for your guys and have and see it you know pay off definitely so yeah, yeah i don't know very strange I just, I just i hope i get the payoff that's all i can say <laughs> i think so real quick prediction do the Bucks win a title in the next three years? Absolutely, yes. Do they win multiple? Sure. <laughs> not gonna say no. I guess that's true. Perfect. Um, uh, yeah, I I definitely think they win at least one. Um, maybe when LeBron retires, maybe this year, who knows? But yeah, I definitely, I definitely see at least one in the next three years. Perfect. That, that I'm confident in. All right, next thing. I'm actually really excited for this. We are f doing our fantasy draft of if you had to manage one Champions League game and you had the entire pool of players in the world to choose from, who would you pick? And the reason why I'm specifying a Champions League game is that it has it doesn't have the feel of like the Premier League where it's um, you know significantly more focused on defensive tactics and kind of clogging the field or like in league one where you know defending is kind of a myth or it doesn't have defending, it, is, optional. defending is optional that's a better way to put it it has the feel of like an open game to it because okay. champions league games are usually the most exciting of the year and they kind of produce the best moments of the year too um alongside just bringing bringing you know the best players of every league together kind of makes champions league games a better dynamic yeah, than straight-up league games, yeah. if you would agree with me yeah. on that. So So do you want to do this by, like, positions? Yes, I was going to okay. say, I actually have, like, my, you know... I, what 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 formation did you go with? 4-3-3. Three, three. Okay, perfect. I did, too. So okay, this will make good. it really easy. 
since you're the guest, you're gonna get to go first. Let's go. Let's go forwards first. So like oh, you, left you wing. Want to, you want to goalkeepers first? <laughs> Fuck no. Uh, we're just we're gonna get forwards out of the way, and we're gonna go like right. left to right on all of them. Oh, left to right. So like left winger, striker, right wing, and then like okay, like left like okay. from that. Okay, you, you know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah, I, okay. I guess. So my, you get to go first. So my first pick would have been Messi, but he's not a left winger. So my first pick is gonna be Neymar. Really? Yes. You're picking Neymar over Cristiano Ronaldo? Yes, because you're gonna take Ronaldo, and then I'm gonna take Lewandowski to play striker. In my oh like, my god! In my okay. actual like team that I had that I like put together, it's Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, like Ronaldo at striker. I see. Okay. Well, that's fine. So you pick Neymar. Yes. Explain your choice a little bit. We're gonna, we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna do that for every player. Oh no, yeah. I didn't prepare this. Oh well, you can you can do something about Neymar. You can do <laughs> something about players true. off the top of your head. I mean, Neymar is the third best player in the world. I mean, what what else do you want me to say? Watch I him, actually watch Neymar highlights. I actually think it might be De Bruyne, but we'll get into that later. But Maybe. um, I don't know. It's it's weird to like compare across positions. Across positions, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Neymar is phenomenal guy. My, my entire yeah. argument about like um, arguing cross positions and like because like people people like to complain that like oh all the forwards get like the Ballon d'Or nominations and like they get all the praise and it's like I would argue that scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in soccer that's why games are so low scoring so I think that the goal scorers are the best players and I, I would argue that like defending takes le- I, I don't want to say like less skill but kind of yeah like I don't know. I actually agree with you. You, you know that. what I'm getting at? Yeah. I mean, I played soccer for a very long time, and uh, obviously I was a goalie, and yeah. you know, not nearly as good as pros. But um, yeah. I mean, I did too, and like I, I did like play as a striker for most of my life, and then eventually I got like into like a higher level, mm-hmm. and one day my coach was like, "Hey, you're really tall and like athletic. You should play center back." And I did, <laughs> and like I was, I, I don't. I would say I was good at it, but I feel like if I had played center back my whole life, I would have been a better defender than forward because I think defending is just yeah. easier. Maybe that's just my personal experience. But No, you're right in that the skill sets are vastly different. And I, I actually hadn't really thought about that argument much, but I would definitely say that you are right in that scoring goals requires a much neater and much more like selective, like actual, like, physical set of skills than it does to be a good defender yeah. or even a good midfielder um and they're what makes soccer exciting you're right Absolutely. so yes i think it, it is fair that most attackers get most of the like worldwide reputation and recognition so yeah uh comparing across positions is hard but i still can't believe you picked neymar over cristiano ronaldo arguably um, the i mean he is. I, he, I, I do think Cristiano Ronaldo is better than Neymar. Let's put that on the record. But okay. we're drafting a team here. I'm, yes. play, I'm playing chess, not checkers. All right, that's fair. I'm going to take Ronaldo then because okay. he is the best player in the history of the Champions League, goal record wise. And he's just that player where, I mean, he's won what? Four? No, five Champions League titles? I think, what, four with Real Madrid and one with Manchester United, right? Yes. And, yes, like,. He's just that big game player. Yeah. You can he can do anything at any time. Um, I still think Messi is better than him, just as like a pure soccer player. But in one game, like if you just if if you expect you know one player to do something big in a moment, your thoughts go to Messi or Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Like either either way, and he's he's had success at what like I don't even want to do this for that long for Ronaldo because he's fucking Cristiano yeah, Ronaldo. Exactly. But like. 
he's won the Champions League. He's, I mean, technically he won the Euros. Um, technically, he got he got hurt, but Portugal won the Euros. Uh, I do, I do won the. <laughs> No, so. uh, fuck, I can't remember that guy's name. The meme player won the Euros. Yeah. Um, he's won the Premier League. He's won La Liga. He's finding success in old age in the Italian League now. He had success as like a 17-year-old in the Portuguese League. Adair, sorry. Adair, Adair. that's right. Um, he's just a winner. And so I think for like if I had to pick one player for one game that I know would play well... It would probably be Ronaldo over anybody, honestly. Yeah, so he's yeah. he is my left winger, and I can't believe you didn't take him. <laughs> All right, I get to go first for striker, because uh, you got to go first for left wing. Okay. So yeah. I'm taking, taking Lewandowski. Robert Lewandowski. Yes. There are obviously a lot of very very fucking good strikers, and last year I definitely would have picked Luis Suarez, but he's getting older and uh, is now on Atletico, no fault of his own, but he's. Not on the same level anymore. I still think he should have won the Ballon d'Or last year with that back heel goal. I'm still pretty pissed off about that because that goal was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But Lewandowski... The Ballon d'Or or the Puskas? Sorry, the Puskas. God, I'm forgetting yeah. things. He should have won the Ballon d'Or too, but they, they canceled it because COVID? What? Yeah, that's right. Um, Lewandowski, though, kind of slept on sometimes internationally, I think. Like... He's not as flashy at times as like Mbappe or uh, um, Luis Suarez even, or like he doesn't get as much recognition as like Premier League players. So some, you know, some fans really think like I don't know Sergio Aguero or uh, like fucking Robert Roberto Firmino is like better than him, and it, he's absolutely not. Lewandowski is probably the most complete striker that exists in the world today, and it shows up in his goal scoring records and his best moments and. I mean, fuck, Bayern just won the Champions League, like, and yep. he was arguably the focal point. Like, the dude is so unbelievably good all the time and has been, and so I think he, I would want him in the middle of my team. Okay. Um, so I obviously would have taken Lewandowski as well, but um, I think so. I'm I'm down to. A couple choices, I'll say. I'm not going to take Kareem Benzema, even though I do think he's. He was most, my backup, actually. He's the most underrated striker. I think he, he might be the most underrated player in the world. Yeah, yeah. It, watching be, him, him and play, like Thomas Muller are just so Thomas underrated. Thomas um, but uh, uh, Benzema, watching Benzema play is crazy. The guy does so much. Oh, like yeah. he does, he doesn't have the goal scoring record, but like he's the re- he's he the does, though. well he's it's the reason like, Real Madrid scores goals. Yes, yes. It's just like he had Ronaldo hanging over him for so long, like. <laughs> It seemed like every summer there was like transfer rumors to get room to a striker, and it's like, why? What do you need a striker <laughs> for? Like, h- how do you upgrade over him? Yeah. Um, I think the one, I think there's two players you could put right now to upgrade over him. First one would be Kylian Mbappe. You can argue that he's not like a pure striker; he's more of a winger. That's fine. Um, but I'm gonna take, especially the 2020 to 2021 version of Harry Kane. Oh my god. Yikes. <laughs> Alright. Um, yeah, he's on fire this year. He is fucking on fire this sucks, year. sucks, but yeah. He's on oh fire. yeah, oh, but I, I wondered why Luke like had that reaction. It's because Arsenal is... Yeah, you know what? We don't have to talk about that. We're here to talk about <laughs> good players. We're here to talk about good players. Um, I mean, Hurricane's <laughs> probably, other than Lewandowski, like, probably one of the best finishers on the planet. Like, his positioning is unbelievable. Um, and now this year, him and Hummingson have been able... He, 
I don't know how it happened, but like Jose Mourinho turned Harry Kane into like prime Mesut Ozil. He's like he, I don't know the exact numbers, but he's got to be like top five in assists. Yeah, I it's 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 kind of insane watching them and watching how well him and Son link up. Like yeah. it makes it makes no sense. They they have like this telepathic connection that results in a lot of goals and a lot of goals against Arsenal too and it just I don't know it sucks it I hate I hate watching how good they are and how terrible my team is yeah yeah so if you can take this like elite level target man and then turn him into like a legitimate creator elite mouth breather (laughs) yeah I won't I won't argue with that um yeah I I think Harry Kane's the second best striker in the world and you're probably right about that actually unfortunately Um, so this is where the chestnut checkers comes into play. Yeah, now because now you get to move right on to right wing, and I'm yeah. obviously taking Lionel Messi. He is the greatest player of all time. Um, I can't really. He's, know, he's Leo Messi. He's yeah. Leo Messi. I mean, like, I mean, look, we're actually talking about this like a little bit before we started this about how like, I mean, like Ronaldo is definitely one that has it too. The like truly elite players like they just have an air about them when you watch them play it's like i like to describe it as like you could show like your mom if she like doesn't know anything about soccer you could play her like you know 15 minutes of a barcelona game and then be like who's the best player on the field right now and she'd be like oh that little dude over there he's, yeah. he's really good like there's something about like the way he like carries himself on the field and like his just movement it's just it's like otherworldly like yeah no you're right and they make you're right in saying like Messi and Ronaldo Messi especially it's so evident so fast that you're that anyone watching is like oh that guy's just better than everyone else around him and when you take that in context you're saying you know Messi is so much better than literally the other best players in the world that are also surrounded by him on his own team. Yeah, I mean, and of, it's so evident. I mean, right. one, of, one of Messi's most famous moments is dropping Jerome Boateng. And Jerome Boateng at the time was like one of, if not the best. Probably the best, best defender in the in world the at that world. point. And yeah. he literally like made him fall over. And then, shipped, and then shipped Manuel Neuer. <laughs> the best goal, to, still the best goal in the, the world. To put the cherry on top. Yeah. Um, yeah, he has so many. I mean, God, we could probably we could spend another hour on just messy moments. We like, yeah. but yeah, he's the best of all time, and kind of a you know the obvious choice. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm interested to see who you pick as your right wing. Okay, I think I know who you're gonna this say. was this was actually kind of interesting. So I was actually shocked, kind of looking back through it, that it's kind of messy, and then everybody else oh, yeah. in the right winger oh, department. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> if I was delusional, I'd pick you know, Bukayo Saka here, but I'm not going to. Um, I actually think I might pick Di Maria here. So what? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, because obviously Mohamed Salah is probably like pound for pound, just a better player than Di Maria is. But Di I, Maria... Mbappe's a right winger. I'm not going to count that. Mbappe's a striker in my mind. Okay. But um, Di Maria's a baller. He is one of the most creative players that has ever existed just in terms of like like his vision his passing and his dribbling skills and it's not like Mo Salah isn't at like like still a phenomenal player I mean dude scored fucking 35 goals his first year in the Premier League it's unheard of but I don't think I I think Di Maria would play better in like an all-star squad 
than Mohamed Salah would. Because Salah is really good as the main focal point of a team. Yeah. Di Maria is one of those guys who can like link up between anyone who's near him. And he's got some he's got some some flair, some style, some personality to his game. And it's kind of just fun to watch. But the guy didn't exactly make it at United, but he's made it at Real Madrid and in Paris at Paris with other superstars around him. So I think I'm gonna go with I think I'm gonna go with Di Maria, which yeah. I know kind of controversial because yeah, no, I mean, Mo Salah is really fucking a, good. But yeah, that's a fair that's a fair argument. I think the same way you were salty about Harry Kane, I'm a little salty about Di Maria because him just going to Man United was not. I can't believe he did so bad there. I mean, it's definitely... I I think, like, he... I don't think he ever wanted to be there to begin with. I guess. And a different league, physicality, different defending styles, things like that. You know, uh, seeing it time and time again with wingers. Currently seeing it with Nico Pepe, but another disappointment. Um, Um, I also realized I totally fucked up the chestnut checkers thing, because I could have had Ronaldo... Harry Kane and Messi. Yeah, like you, you could have, actually. Whatever. I mean, Neymar's, <laughs> Neymar's pretty good. It's <laughs> Chestnut checkers, baby. All right. Uh, I'm bad at chess. Have I told you I started playing chess? Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? I think I told you to watch Queen's Gambit, actually. Did you? Yeah, oh, I did. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think every everyone in the U.S. has started playing chess. Yeah, yeah I'm but... like, I I was actually just telling you about this. It's, it's a very humbling game. It's like, very humbling. I, I'm playing, like, the CPUs. Um, and... Probably get probably getting trashed, right? Yeah, well, yes. like yeah. Uh, there's like the easy, like it moves up in difficulty. So as I'm like learning how to play, I'm like getting slowly better and better, and then like it's cool to like hit a point where like oh like I can beat the CPU now, but now I'm at a point where I'm like at kind of the higher level ones, uh-huh. and I just get trashed. Yeah, every single it's time. the worst. I I've very similar things. Some of my other Marquette friends uh, are have been like playing chess their whole lives. And I try and play against them, and yeah. it's like embarrassing. Yeah. It's really bad. But oh, yeah. um, next one, uh, I get to pick. Yes. I get to pick my first midfielder. Okay, so I think I know who you're going. So for. yeah, I'm gonna have to pick De Bruyne yeah. here. Yeah. He's. I actually think he has a legitimate case on on some days that he is the best player in the world. The guy is unstoppable, and when you watch him play at Man City, who is you know, pound for pound has the most talent in the Premier League. He's, you can legitimately see that he's better than everyone else around him. Kind of like the Messi-Ronaldo thing. Like, he gets very frustrated sometimes on the field because he's better than his teammates and he does things that are better, that are above his teammates' heads and it doesn't work out sometimes. And you can just see, like, wow, he, like, everyone else is not on the same level as him. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, his highlights are, like, speak for themselves and... He's just kind of a complete player. Like, he's big, he's physical, he's got some of the best technical skill in the world. I don't even know if he's actually left-footed or right-footed because he's so good with both. Um, And he can even, like, fuck, I mean, even in Pep Guardiola's system, he can actually defend a little bit. So, I don't know. He's he's obvious number one for me. Yeah, so I, like I told you, I didn't have any backups for this because I I would obviously take Kevin De Bruyne. but I'll say the reason that I picked a 4-3-3 is because what I like to do, especially with the midfield, is I like to have, I, I think instead of like three midfielders, I like to have three guys who can play different roles. So I like to have an attacking midfielder, um, a box-to-box midfielder, and then a defensive midfielder. So yeah, that's kind of like what I built this around. Kevin De Bruyne would obviously be my first choice. So trying to fit, pick one right now, it's actually between... Uh, Thomas Muller and Tony Cruz. I know Tony Cruz isn't exactly like the most like 
prototypical like attacking midfielder, but like he can string it together. He's Tony Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really tough. I think I think I'm gonna go with Tony Cruz just because like it, it it's a Champions League game and he has won Champions League three times, three four times, four times. Once did he win with Bayern like back? Well, Madrid's won it four times. Uh, was he was he at Madrid the first time? I, I think know. so. Okay, I think so. I we're, we're probably wrong, man. But nobody's okay. gonna check us. We're the yeah. only people that we know about that care about soccer. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look this up actually. Um, but yeah, while you're looking it up, I'll put it in word for Tony Cruz because he's yeah, fucking phenomenal. The guy, like, when you think of a player who can just stop a ball on a dime, look up field, see somebody like 50 yards away and get it to their feet in a moment. It's Tony Cruz. Like the guy is the model for long range passing and it's fucking unbelievable. He's won it four times. It is once, four times. Once with Bayern. Okay, I see. And then the three with uh, Madrid. Madrid. Got it. Okay. But so, yeah, he's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, no complaints one there. One of the most accurate passers on the planet. Like just so unbelievably creative. I know it's easy when you're creating for, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and Karim Benzema, but still like Scored an all-time cool goal in the World, the World Cup, Cup too. Yeah. yeah. Broke <laughs> yeah, Sweden's true. heart, but it was fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, he's what I want Granit Xhaka, what I wanted Granit Xhaka to be, and he's yeah. not, but he's he's he has some of the attributes, and so I'll, I'll call him I'll call him good enough. All right. All right. Um, Centerman, box to box, you're gonna laugh at me for this. Oh, uh, I can't. I I hope you don't say who I think you're gonna say. It's Paul Pogba. It is. Oh it's my Paul god. Pogba. Wow. But I. I when I like made this myself, I put in parentheses the good version of Paul Pogba. Yeah, I mean that's fair. <laughs> because, I, yeah. Um. So as a Man United fan, I've obviously watched Paul Pogba play a lot. Um. The biggest criticism of him is the fact that like he does not put out consistent effort. He's um you know sort of a drama queen, I guess is the best way to put it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he was really unhappy with the way the team was going for a long time. Just kind of pouted, didn't really put in a ton of effort. And then, like, pre-COVID, when we signed Bruno, he, like, just turned around like that. And he was like, I'm going to be the best player in the Premier League, basically. Um, and I think Pogba kind of goes back to what I said about Messi, when it's, like, how he can just kind of, like, control a game. And you can, like, I was watching with Ian, like, a couple weeks ago. They're going with West Ham. And Ian could tell, like, oh, Paul Pog was the best player on the field <laughs> right now. Ian doesn't watch soccer, but, like, yeah. you can just tell by, like, the way that he moves. And, like, God, like, he can he can ping a pass, like, across the entire field and put it at your feet. You don't even have to move. He's He can score goals. He can create. He can dribble around anyone. I think Paul Pog at his best is the best midfield in the world. Yeah, that's actually – it's not really that hot of a take because – it, he's kind of like um, he's like Schrodinger's midfielder, where <laughs> when he's at his best, you're right. He legitimately looks like he should be the best player in the world at all times because he's so like he's physically gifted, he's technically gifted, mm-hmm. and when he actually plays with his brain, he's like unstoppable. But when he's when he's bad, he's really bad, and he it's is. so noticeable because yes. you're like, why isn't this guy? controlling the game so if you had one game and like paul pogba you knew was going to play at his best like Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense to take him he wasn't even on my list (laughs) yeah no i i understand why but yeah 
Who's your... All right, my next midfielder, I think, has to be Luka Modric. Okay. I mean, the guy won the fucking Ballon d'Or yeah. last year. Um, as, like, unbelievable talent. He's, like, he's the complete midfielder. He's not as, like, physically gifted as some people are. Yeah, Luka Modric, unbelievable complete midfielder, has all the technical gifts in the world, shows up in really big moments, like the World Cup. Um, but he's he was kind of the architect of a lot of how... Real Madrid played when they, you know, won three straight fucking Champions League games or Champions League finals in a row. And, like, he's just kind of that guy if you tell someone, like, hey, Luka Modric is really good. They're like, yeah, like, he is. And there's no <laughs> there's no argument against against it. So mm. he's, he's just someone I would want to have in the team for, for obvious purposes. Your next midfielder. Kind of excited for this one, actually. Um, wouldn't it be your pick? Oh no, it is my pick. You're right. I forgot how yeah. forgot how drafts work. Unless you take my guy, then it's then I'll take. <laughs> so I don't think you will. this is the defensive one because yes. I'm actually on the same I'm on the same deal. Oh boy. So I think the obvious choice would be Casemiro, God damn it. but I actually think I like Yashua Kimmich better okay. than okay. Casemiro. That's, actually, that's fair. Um, yeah. Okay. Kimmich started as a right back at Bayern because they were too loaded when he first showed up there to actually have his midfield spot, but he was too good not to play. So he kind of like, he got his trial by fire in an actual defensive position, which I don't know if that actually like, like as a player. And I mean, you were, you played soccer for a long time too. Like when you play a position for that long and at that high of a level, like you're going to pick up on those instincts too. And I think that actually translated kind of well into his like, into his moving into center defensive mid and oh, kind yeah. of running games for Bayern now. Like, the guy is unstoppable. I can't... It's also kind of crazy. I don't think either of us are going to mention Nagolo Kante, which, like, two years ago would have been a sin because of how good he was. But yeah. he's kind of plateaued kind and of fallen off. off. Yeah. I think, I think like, um, like, the best take I've seen about Nagolo Kante is the fact that, like, um, we're so wrapped up in, like, nostalgia and the fact that he's just, like, such a good guy that we no one will ever say like hey gold Conte is kind of he kind of sucks now yeah. yeah uh which is crazy because when he was at his best he was like like it would have been criminal of us to not pick him but now he's yeah it's it's legitimate that he's not even mentioned here or he wouldn't have been mentioned yeah. um but i think i'm gonna take kimmich because i think kimmich is a better link up player than i think he's just a better passer than casemiro is mm. um but at the same time, like Casemiro is a, he's a physical monster. So I'm guessing that's why you're going to take him. Yeah, I'm going to take Casemiro because I mean, arguably one of the most important pieces to Real Madrid winning three straight, champ- straight Champions Leagues. Because when you play, when you have a midfield with Tony Cruz and Luka Modric, having someone who can just focus on defending and like not burden them with tracking back and defending and you can just kind of like allow them to like create and play passes forward like that's so invaluable um that's kind of like what man city do with like Fernand. well i guess it was like last year and a few years before but like fernandinho just sitting behind kevin de bruyne and david silva and like letting them go forward and do their thing and then he just kind of like stays there and like protects the back line and like breaks up playing the midfield like it just works so well and that's obviously why they're so good so yeah, I mean, yeah, Casemiro. <laughs> Honorable mentions, though, probably would really want to bring up Thomas Muller because 
the guy is like an enigma where he doesn't really yeah. have like obviously you know people love the term positionless basketball for nowadays for how the NBA is played. Thomas Muller kind of doesn't really have a position. The guy is just a good fucking soccer player. Yeah. He's just like the perfect in- instinctual player. Um, and also probably Marco Verratti. Like okay. he's just he's he's like he's like not the homeless man's version of Luka Modric, but like. He's like he's like the diet Pepsi, Luka <laughs> Modric. Like where it's he's still pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, I don't know. I think we covered most of the really good midfielders. Do you want to say something about Bruno Fernandez here? Is that is that why you had that look <laughs> on your face? I was gonna say honorable mentions: Bruno Fernandez, uh, Fabinho. <laughs> yeah, Fabinho deserves to be on there. Fuck, he's really good too. Yeah, Fabinho. Like, can we kind of like go a little bit off track? And can I tell you my take about Liverpool? Yes, um, I mean this is the soccer section. Let's do it. Um, so Fabinho, fantastic defensive midfielder. It took him a while to like get acclimated with the Premier League, but now he's like pretty fucking good. Um, so uh, Virgil Van Dijk obviously got hurt. He's out for the season. Virgil Van Dijk, obviously an amazing defender, but one of the things that makes him probably the best defender in the world is the fact that he's so good at like playing passes forward and like starting an attack. I think that um, not having Virgil van Dijk at the back is making them worse at attacking, if that makes any sort of sense. No, that does. That really does. Because if you look at since um, van Dijk went down, they've struggled to score goals. And I think that might be part of it. And I think, like, also not having Fabinho in the midfield really hurts them too. Because, again, you don't have that, like, defensive presence in the midfield to allow... Like Jordan Henderson or Jimmy Vinaldo or now Tiago, who would like oh absolutely God. need that. Yeah. Also, also formerly one of the best midfielders in the world, exactly. Tiago, easily. Um, it's it's harder for them to create for uh, Mo Salah and uh, Firmino and um, Sadio Mane because like they kind of have to like worry about tracking back too, especially like if you don't have and Joe Gomez is out too. Hmm. So if you're starting Fabinho and like some academy kid at center back, like. You have to worry about that more than attacking. so. There's credence to your theory because when I played at Carthage, uh, my first my first year, we had Giles Phillips, who now you know still Q- QPR still plays a QPR crazy you know unbelievable talent. Probably shouldn't have even been at Carthage. This dude could have played wherever he wanted. Um, he started the first eight games and was unbelievable, easy all American level talent. He actually went, he got injured, didn't play the next five. In our first eight games, I'll always remember this. In our first eight games, we scored 15 goals. Hmm. In the next five, when he wasn't there, he was the only like big change in our roster. We scored two. Wow. Because legitimately, every single one of our possessions started with him. Hmm. You know, they, other teams would work the ball down to our side of the field, not score. And goal kicks went to him. Uh, if you were a goalie, like you found him first. Uh, if you were like, if you picked up the ball in the midfield and needed to go backwards, you found him, and like he would play. He had, he was basically like Van Dyke light, where he yeah. could, yeah. you know, he had he had a long range pass to him that was accurate. He could actually dribble around people. He could, yeah. like uh, he he could make short passes and he would do fucking um what's it called? He would do give and goes like at the top of our eighteen yard box. It would end with him, you know, laying it off at like half like our at uh, midfield. It was crazy. The guy was so good. And you're right, like, that sort of disruption, not having him, mattered a lot. Because when someone like that creates, 
or like starts your attacks and you don't have that anymore you have to turn to other people and sometimes they just they're they're not the same yeah yeah exactly. so that yeah that definitely makes a lot of sense i've i already forgot is it my t- pick for um, i think it's yours actually because you took joshua Kimmich. that's uh, right right back or left back left we'll go left left, back. left across um, yeah so this was weird for me because i was looking at a list of left backs I was like, God damn it, is Andy Robertson really the best left back in the world? And I was like, yep, I guess he is. I'm really? Andy Robertson. I damn, I actually, uh, I think Jordi Alba is still better than him, but, maybe. but make the case real quick. Uh, the case, so my case is um, kind of similar. I, I kind of built this off of like how I would like to play, like if I was a coach. And one of the other benefits of having a really good defensive midfielder is that they can kind of slot back when you send your fullbacks forward. So I really like fullbacks that can get forward and cross and Andy Robertson is like that's that's Andy Robertson like that's what it is for Liverpool he gets forward puts the ball in the box and yeah so I think just having like I mean he's a solid defender but just having it basically like having an extra attacker on the left side um it presents like that um threat of if you're left back overlapping and then you have your left winger who's like a right footed left winger, um, they can either cut in or you can have your left back at the left foot. Like Yeah, that that get, dynamic get is so important. Right yeah. Them, so that dynamic is so important to yeah. modern soccer attacks. It's yep. crazy. I'm gonna take Jordi Alba because I like obviously, you know, Andy Robertson, phenomenal. They're kind of similar players in that their greatest strengths is, you know, overlapping on the attack and finding people in the box. I think Jordi Alba is just a better passer with better vision than Robertson. Robertson is a better crosser for sure. Like he he can, you know, him and it's not fair that Liverpool has him and Alexander Arnold, but Jordi Alba, when you watch him, it might just be like a Barcelona chemistry thing, but like Premier League left backs will get a hundred opportunities to cross a game and maybe connect two of them. It is like kind of rare when Jordi Alba doesn't connect a ball yeah. that he puts into yeah. the box, and it's yeah. pretty crazy watching it. Um, maybe it's just you know league differences or whatever, but like I've seen enough of fucking like Sad Snatch or even now Kieran Tierney. Like, God bless them, they do their best, but holy shit, it's a miracle if they connect across. Yeah, Robertson's obviously better at that than them, but Jordi Alba, like, it's it's stunning when he doesn't find like Messi or like literally anybody you know, in the box and uh, when it matters. All right. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to say, like, I definitely agree with your pick on Jordi Alba. Because looking at the list of center backs, like, I mean, sorry, not center backs, left backs, it's basically those two. Like, are you it, it really Alexandro, is. Alexandro, like, Alex Tellis. I love Alex Tellis. Like, a fantastic time for United. He's not, like, the best left back in the world, though. So. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a quick drop off from the top there. Um Oh, that means I get first pick oh, for center back. Virgil Rob van Holding. <laughs> okay, no joke. I have written down here Rob Holding against Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> because he's legitimately four games, four clean sheets, and like great tackle pass numbers and you know, drawn two red cards against Diego Costa. But as as a joke, but uh for real though, Van Dyke, and it's like it's kind of not even close. Yeah, he's okay. I, again, there are some times where he looks like he's just the best player in the world. And from the defender position, that's pretty incredible. But he's like, 
he's the complete defender and more where in situations where like the the opposition has a ball in the box like you're not worried about him misstepping or being in a bad position anytime he goes for a tackle you're not worried about him you know just fucking two-footing a guy and getting sent off uh you're always comfortable with him in possession of the ball and then if he goes up for a header, like, who the fuck is stopping Virgil van Dyke? Like, yeah. it just has to be on target. Like, a crosses has have to be on target, and he's going to score. I mean, fuck. Like, his first season at Liverpool, we had, like, tw- we had, like close to double-digit goals, I'm pretty sure. All off of, like, corners and oh, yeah. free kicks. Yeah. Maybe, the guys, that's, maybe that's another reason the scoring's down. They're not... He's not true. He's not actually scoring himself. It's crazy. <laughs> um, but the guy is just so fucking good. It's it's ridiculous. That's kind of all I need to say about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so now am I taking two center backs? Yeah, you okay. just have to pick, pick your next two. Uh, my next two are going to be Sergio Ramos and Emmerich Laporte. You picked Laporte. Yes. Holy shit. I Okay, um, okay. So, reasons, um, obviously, like, you know, Sergio Ramos has his critics, but, like, he's still one of the best defenders in the world. He's won four Champions Leagues. I mean, just, like, perennial leader. He'd probably be the captain of my team. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, great in the air. He'd score off corners. Um, just a great all-around center back. I mean, he's one of... You know, one of the all-time greats at that position. And then my other one is definitely a more interesting pick. I want Emmerich really Laporte because, A, I really like having a left-footed center back. I think it's really good for building out of the back. And he's just such a good um, – he's so good at, like, playing the ball. Like, he's such good ball skills for a center back. That's why Pep Guardiola went out and spent all that money for him. 80-something million, I think. Yeah, right? just yeah. having a good ball-playing left-footed center back. Like, as more teams are starting to build out of the back, like – a left-footed center back is just so important, uh, and then obviously he's a great defender too. So, damn, I actually, I don't, I don't like his like like you know back to the wall defending as much because he's kind of been exposed at times in big moments. But that's what Sergio Ramos is for. I guess so. But you're right. He's like a he's basically like just another midfielder who plays deeper for them, and he's like, I don't know when when City's running. It's usually because he and De Bruyne are running well or are like operating smoothly. I mean, even I remember seeing in like game threads on Reddit last year, um, City fans would be like, you know, used to be worried that De Bruyne was too big for the team, but now I'm worried like Laporte's too big, like too good for the team and things like that. So there is some credence to it, I guess. I still think I would take Koulibaly over him, so he's okay, gonna be yeah. my next choice. Koulibaly, like in a vacuum, would have been my next pick, but like I just. I also thought Koulibaly was left-footed. I, mean, I thought he was. I might be wrong about that. No, he's not. Fuck, okay. I thought he was. That still doesn't change my pick because Koulibaly, I, he was always that player until I actually started watching soccer much more religiously that I would be like, like, oh, he's really fucking good because he's really fucking good in FIFA. Um, and then I actually watched some Napoli games. So I was like, oh, there's a reason he's actually so good, and it's because he's a monster. He's an absolute tank. The guy, I don't think has ever, like, he's never lost a physical battle to anybody. I'm, he's I'm... faster than everybody, he's stronger than everyone, he's taller than everyone, and he still has pretty good ball skills. So, I mean, maybe definitely not as good as Laporte in yeah. that respect, but he'll never he'll never lose defensive challenges to anybody. Yeah, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. He could is, he could he could kick a lot of people's ass. He's yeah. a big boy. Yeah. Um, no, I'm gonna go with Cool Bali because yeah, just because yeah. if you want if you want fantastic defense, you go with him. But you're right in that like you know the whole well-oiled machine mm-hmm. of of 
you know, keeping the ball and playing modern soccer. Like, Laporte's probably a pretty good choice, too. All right. That means, thank God, I get Trent Alexander-Arnold. Trent Alexander-Arnold for my right back. Because, like, there's kind of some fun picks at the right back spot, but none of them, like, it's crazy how good this freaking 21-year-old kid is. Like, the guy is the model crosser. He... Can, can he might actually be on free kick duty for this team? Um, maybe. Uh, he's like he's everything you would want in someone going forward, and he's still a good defender. So mm-hmm. I don't think you can pick anyone else. My backup though, if you don't take him, I need to say some things about him because he's okay. one of my favorite players. But who do you who are you taking? Who was your defensive bet again? Uh, Kimmich. Uh, so my right back was gonna be Kimmich. I see. Okay. <laughs> um. So, if we're allowing me to, to take him, that's what I'll do. But if not, I don't know because it's a pretty, pretty big drop-off after Trent. Okay, I'm going to state the case for my oh, backup. Okay, then. go for it. Akra Fakimi, Dortmund. Um, who plays a yeah. variety of positions. Yes, I agree. I wouldn't take variety. him this team because he plays a wing-back and he's so much more attacking. Yeah, I would... I don't know. I think I would want that because if I have Di Maria on my right side... Okay. Who better than to actually like pair him with someone who's gonna like basically live past him on overlaps, like the entire game. Yeah. But Akimi, like, he's not a complete player yet. He's not really the best defender, but the dude finds space and creates space mm-hmm. like so unbelievably well. Yeah. And having space is what wins you soccer games. So yeah. I would take him if I didn't get to take Alexander Arnold. Yeah, I mean that's. That's not a bad take at all. Um, I don't know who else I would take to right back. Can I take Serginho Dust? Oh my god. <laughs> dude, did you see that dude for um, Schalke yesterday? No. I forget his name. I don't remember his name. Um, Wait, he's... was it the guy that scored the hat trick? Yeah, he's American. Oh, I did see I that. That's right. I forgot his name too. We're bad American soccer fans, but no, he, America yeah, is bad at soccer like, anyways. This is but... his first. Oh, um, okay. it's Matthew Hoppe. H-O-P-P. Because when I saw, like, I had no idea he was American. I saw the name. I was like, oh, he's probably some, like, some German dude with that last name. But, oh, he's American. And he scored a hat trick. And now we're going to win the World Cup. What? Well, so we thought we'd pull a decision, then we didn't even qualify. So there's, there's. Dude, U.S. soccer. Like, I'm not even trying to be a homer. U.S. soccer is on the meteoric rise. Weston McKinney, baby. Put the faith in. Yeah. Weston McKinney's at Juventus. Serginho Dest is at Barcelona. Um, Tyler Adams is at Leipzig. Like Zach Staffan's the goalkeeper at Man yeah. City. Like there's so many great American players at huge clubs, and there's more coming. Like I think, I think Juventus just signed some kid from FC Dallas. Um, oh, there's some uh, Chris Richards. I think his name is. Is that Bayern? Like this is where your soccer knowledge exceeds mine, actually. Yeah. yeah I mean, I this is like this is niche for like anybody, but like diehard American soccer fans like I obviously like I know most American soccer players but like yeah I don't know yeah I I hope so because not watching them in the World Cup fucking sucked so I just I want to watch them more oh god Gio Reyna Gio Reyna okay I even even know who Gino Reyna is yeah that's right yeah I hope so please god all right let's wrap it up goalkeepers who's your number one um (laughs) 
If you say to hey, I'm gonna be so pissed. No, 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 no. <laughs> it would be like a few years ago, but not, not now. Um, can I make you really mad? Uh, yeah. Let's hear it. It legitimately doesn't matter. <laughs> I actually, you know, that's a take that's not too bad nowadays. There's so are you? Hold on. Why do you say it doesn't matter? Because um, I think that when you're at this level and you have a solid defense in front of you, it doesn't matter. Like, your goalkeeper is not going to make or break your team. Unless you're, like, 2015 Man United and your defense is, like, literal, like, shit. And you have David De Gea making the greatest saves. Or, flip side, you're Liverpool in the Champions League and you have... I mean, uh, okay. You have, oh my yes. god, why can't I remember Loris his Karius. name? Loris Karius kind of losing you the game. That yeah. is true. But, I mean, I guess maybe it's just, like, my own, like, personal experience. Like, Sergio Romero could come in and Man United wouldn't skip a beat. Like, I don't know. I th- so that's, that's my that's my hot take. I'm still going to take a goalkeeper. I was going to say, just, take I your goalkeeper to, and then I'll, I'll explain I wanted to see on. your, like, your reaction to that since you were, you're part of the, the club. I am part of the club. I was part of the club. Um, so my actual pick, uh, I know you want Neuer, so I think I'm just going to take Yano Black. Wow. Okay, that's, that's a really good pick. Um, explain. You, you, can, you can explain it if you want to, if you have anything there's, to there's say. There's not like, like a ton to explain. Why. I mean, like, he... I See, that's the thing. I don't know if Yano is that good because, like, Atleti is, he is. so... He is I mean, really like, good. Okay, yeah. Obviously, he is good. But, like, is he the reason that Atleti is so good? Or is it, like, the fact that they're so well-drilled in defense and Simeone is, like, a very good defensive coach? That, like, I, like, I don't know. I can't say I, like, sit down and watch Atleti because, like, it's like watching paint dry. But <laughs> sorry to all the diehard Atleti fans that are listening to this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would I would take Yano Black. He seems like a, a so good. yeah. Yano Black is awesome because he's probably the best shot stopper in the world. Like like you're definitely the expert on this topic. So like, explain my pick for me. Okay, so Yano Black, one of the best shot stoppers in the world. Guy is like physically huge. Covers up covers the net really well has really good control of the box which is a massive thing it's like it's that's kind of what separates like good goalies from like incredible ones um but i will say i still think the goalie matters in this case because from a game to game perspective like all of the elite goalies are just they're gonna play well right Mm. what (laughs) being a goalkeeper you are Really, you're celebrated when you know you make you know, big saves and everything. But what everybody can pay attention to, what everybody can pay attention to, are your mistakes and like how if they come, how frequent they are, and how like how much they end up costing you. And so, the best goalies in the world are the ones who found to are found to like completely eliminate the mistakes or have other traits that cover up mistakes. Like for instance. Manuel Neuer, best goal in the world, my pick, actually. Uh, he plays as the infamous sweeper keeper, or did when he was younger. He really doesn't do it that much anymore. And he would get burned sometimes, pretty famously, for you know coming four yards out of the box. But it also created enough of, of this different dynamic that it kind of didn't matter because the like benefit was greater than the cost of him doing all these crazy things that actually worked out better for Bayern than it did or than it did on the you know worst side of things. But he also doesn't make any other shitty mistakes like dropping crosses or 
um, being out of position or anything else like that, which really, really matters. And there's only a few goalies in the world that are kind of like have all the bases covered. And it's really like it's Neuer, it's Ter Stegen. It was De Gea, but he's gotten really bad for whatever reason. Uh, a few years ago, Courtois was like that. Um, Handanovic is like that uh, in the past. I mean, uh, obviously Buffon was like that. I don't know. There's um, there's only a few, and I would still say it matters because there's only a few that you can really count on to not make a game losing mistake mm. on, or that you would you know essentially bet your life savings that they wouldn't. Mm. But like even like Burned Lino, like unbelievable goalkeeper Arsenal, one of the best shot stoppers in the Premier League, but like. I'm terrified every time he has to come out and catch cross because he's not good at it. Yeah. Um, like obviously like Kepa of Chelsea like gets memed on because like he's a good shot stopper. He's just dumb as rocks and makes terrible decisions. Yeah. Um, Barcelona for years they had Victor Valdez who was an awesome awesome like goalie and like he was a, he was a really athletic shot stopper and could cover anything, but he was only six one and had like problems with crosses and everything like that and it limited them. Same with Iker Casillas like unbelievable leader probably one of the best leaders along with like Sergio Ramos that Madrid ever had but he had his shortcomings as a goalie and it kind of manifested themselves in um what's it called that 2014 game against the Netherlands the 5-1 mm. um I don't know really good goalies don't grow on trees that's that's my that's my defense of the goalkeeper that's, position right there that's a fair argument. um but yeah I'm taking Neuer I mean yeah. the, the guy like it was weird. There was the rise and fall of Neuer, and then the, the second coming of Neuer, where... Uh, I don't even know if it was, like, a fall of Neuer. It was, a, it was, it was just like, other people were really good at the time that he was hurt. And I think at the time that he was, like... I think he got, like, too overconfident with, like, I'm the sweeper keeper. And yeah. Like, and he kind of got burned, so it was like, oh, Neuer kind of sucks now. It's like, no. But no, the, guy, the guy is a World Cup winner, Champions League winner, a multiple-time Champions League winner. Um, kind of the, like... The, you know he's an under, he's crazy shot stopper good with his box really good with his feet has this other special dynamic to him but he he's just when you think of like you know the biggest goalie moments of the last you know even like god like 10 years now uh he's in a lot of them mm-hmm. so yeah uh he did get chipped by Messi though that did happen <laughs> um but i think that damn that's crazy that actually wraps it up for us but I have a couple. There's there's some extra points to this. Oh, okay. Because this is a game oh, you got to manage. Couple of things. Who's your captain? You have to you have to make this what? person your captain, and you have to understand that it might make other people upset in your team. So what what's the is there like points to it? Like what? Like like you would who who on your right. team that you drafted? Who so, would you so make? Ramos. Okay, that makes sense. I actually don't know who I would make my captain. I think it would either have to be. I think it would have to be Van Dyke. Okay. Um. Because I didn't get, I didn't get. Probably, I, no, you should do Thomas Muller. <laughs> I didn't even take Thomas Muller. Oh, he was, you, one, of the, he was one of the honorable mentions. Oh, I you did. No. Um, no, I think I would take. I think I would give it to Van Dyke. But yeah. I, I don't think there's a clear cut one for me actually. Probably not. Yeah. But Sergio Ramos. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Even on a team with Messi and. Uh, uh, God, whoever the fuck else you had. Do you want to run? Do you want to run through your team? Actually, we should probably do that just to make sure. Go yeah. through yours first, and then I'll go through mine. Okay. Um, I'll start from the back. So, old black and goal. Uh, across the back, Andy Robertson, Sergio Ramos, uh, Sergio Ramos at right center back, Emma Laporte at left center back. 
Joshua Kimmich at right back. Defensive mid, Casemiro. Uh, box to box mid, Pogba. Attacking mid, Tony Cruz. And then the front three is Neymar, Harry Kane, and Messi. All right, and then mine from the back, Neuer, Alba, Van Dijk, Koulibaly, and Alexander-Arnold. In the mids, we got Modric, De Bruyne, and Kimmich. And then up top is CR7, uh, Lewandowski, and Di Maria. I actually think your team would beat mine. But, I was just going to uh, say, so are we going to put these teams in the FIFA and like run a sim? <laughs> that, would actually be, that would actually be really cool. Um, didn't plan that far ahead. But I think your team would beat mine. May, it would be close, though. Obviously, yeah. they're, they're stars. You know, anything can happen. Oh, yeah. And then two more things. Or I guess it's kind of wrapped up into one. Who takes free kicks and who takes penalties for you? Ooh. Uh, Messi? Messi. Messi, yeah. Messi on free kicks and pens? I think so. I don't think I would put him on penalties. Because he doesn't really have the cleanest record on penalties. Does he? I don't... There was one year where his free kick percentage was better than his penalty percentage. Really? For a little while. It wasn't like an entire year. But like, Um, it was for a period, yeah. I didn't know that. If... I I will do some more research. Because Who's your striker again? Kerry Kane. It should probably... Yeah, that's, that's, that's who I would... Yeah. On my side, I don't think I could tell anyone. I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo would let anybody else <laughs> take free kicks. But honestly, it should be Alexander Arnold or Ronaldo, De Bruyne. Ronaldo's not a good free kick taker. He's not, but the thing is, he scored so many iconic ones. Yeah, exactly. At, and he has such a big ego that he would be like, "I'm taking these, or I'm not yeah. playing." But yeah. he is—he's taking penalties for sure. The guy—I I swear to God—he's never missed a penalty in his life. But yeah, uh, those are two. Two fucking phenomenal teams. All right. Before we wrap up, I think you said you have one thing you want to ask me. So let's get into it. Um, it it's kind of big. It might take like I don't know how much more time you want. Let's do it. But I want to talk about your NBA betting model. Oh boy. Okay. Because <laughs> I know you did the MVP predictor. And I'm pretty sure it correctly predicted Giannis last year. It did, actually. you said you were working on an NBA betting model. I know you said you've been very busy with school and stuff, but have you dabbled in that at all? So this semester, not as much as I wanted to because things were pretty goddamn crazy. But, um, yeah, I'll actually spend a couple minutes on the history of this stuff, but then I'll get into that because it has a little bit of context behind it. Senior year at Carthage, I got so fucking bored that – in the middle of my astronomy lab science class, I started looking for like data science projects to fill my time with. One of them came from an inspiration of our one of our favorite sites of all time, Basketball Reference, who puts out these Hall of Fame probability percentages on like active players. And I was like, how the hell did they do that? And I looked up the stuff behind their model, and they didn't make, they didn't really say exactly what went into it or how they ran it. But they um, gave me enough clues to where I was like, oh, I know enough from school stuff that I've done to actually make something like this. And I made this binary logistic model that used certain attributes to uh, predict whether or not current players had similar resumes to current Hall of Fame players. And I made something like that. And then I realized I could do the exact same process with MVP players and look at like, top five MVP candidates compared to previous like actual MVPs and see which ones are more likely to win based on stats and things like that. Um, and then it evolved into uh, the first stages of the coronavirus quarantine 
where I was still taking a math class where I had to make some sort of cool modeling project. My, the first suggestion that, or one of the suggestions that our professor had was like, hey, simulate a baseball game. And I was like, no, baseball's boring as fuck, but I know how to do, I think I can do this for a basketball game instead. And I made this thing that is a Monte Carlo simulation model that essentially uses um, a Monte Carlo process to simulate possessions in a basketball game and aggregate them until you get essentially four quarters of a basketball game. And if you put in real time, real, uh, it uses, I guess, real NBA team data to predict whether or not, you know, this team could beat that team in a series, in like a single game or over a series. Or uh, what I ended up finding out was that I could simulate like a thousand games between two teams, use real betting data like money lines to find like, hey, if I throw a hundred dollars on this game, what's the expected return I'll get from this bet or like the, or the actual or the expected profit I would get from this bet. And if it's good enough, then like, you know, I don't bet on sports because I'm poor, but uh, if I did, I might actually, you know, give it a shot because it seems like it's it, it was accurate enough uh, over the bubble, actually. I was kind of surprised, but uh, still more data to be gathered. But that's kind of the backstory of it. And basically how it works, uh, the five-minute synopsis is that, well, hopefully not even five minutes. Holy shit, there's a long time to talk about this. But um, if you can think of a number line between zero and 100, you can segment off certain sections of that number line to correspond to different outcomes. So if you say... Uh, I have a basketball, I'm going to shoot it at a hoop. And um, that is like all the possibilities are on your number line. You can bisect it at 50 and say, if I simulate a random number between zero and hundred and it comes up between zero and 50, that means I made the shot. But if it's greater than 50 and you know, less than hundred, that means I missed the shot. So if you s- simulate, you know, if you come up with a hundred random numbers, on average, you'll have made 50 baskets, but because it's random numbers, there's variation in that. Now, how the model works is that it segments, it finds those, those ranges of outcomes for all of the different possibilities that happen in a possession. So there's made threes, there's made twos, there's made free throws, and then there's non-scores, which take care of missed shots and turnovers. And I think that's kind of all that really ever, ever happens on a basketball court in a possession. But you can use teams data for how often they score threes and how well they shoot threes same for twos and free throws and how often they turn the ball over and miss shots in general to get kind of these accurate ranges that should correspond to if you simulate the average number of possessions in a basketball game for how many random numbers you generate it should come up with pretty legitimate like close to real life nba scores based on actual data which is kind of what matters um and then you can have put those put these things in for real teams put them against each other and get like semi you know accurate outcomes there are things like home court advantage or like kind of other difficult to quantify things that i haven't exactly figured out how to put into this model yet but i'm working on it uh that also adjust the you know outcomes of games but it's kind of cool just because this is the first one that I've made that isn't a regression model, which is an entirely different nerdy set of things. But uh, that's basically, that's what I did for all of quarantine to uh, keep me sane for a while. All right. Yeah, that was kind of long-winded, but that was, uh, 
that was the the project in a nutshell. So the main reason I asked is because um, while you are too poor to gamble on sports, I have become a degenerate sports gambler, um, and I've actually been doing pretty well. Like I'm actually up like seven or eight hundred dollars. God damn! Since I started doing this. God damn. Um, but all those profits have basically been on football and soccer. For some reason, I I started betting on NBA like Christmas Day, and for some like I hit like everything Christmas Day. Everything since then like terrible. And I don't, it's just basketball. Like, I am abysmal betting on basketball for whatever reason. So, if you ever <laughs> get your algorithm <laughs> up and running, uh, I, I'm happy to be your guinea pig uh, to see if. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I actually need one because I can't do it myself. Uh, but hopefully, with any luck, future me will listen back to this and think, wow, he really took his fucking time making that into a website like I really <laughs> wanted to. But. Uh, that's the goal is to eventually like get it out of the shitty code I have now and actually put it into a nice interface and onto a website um, that would, you know, I don't really care about the publicity or anything, just like the ease of access deal. Um, that's, that's the goal. Um, now that I am only taking one class next semester and have a little bit of time off, I might give that more <laughs> of a shot, but uh, remains to be seen. I gotta, I gotta find the spark again for it. But. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it was a work in progress. It was so much fun to work on, I gotta say. But uh, yeah, modeling, modeling is modeling. Modeling is modeling. Exactly. All right. You know what? There's only there's only one way we can wrap this up. Okay. Could you have one thing to I say was first? I'm just gonna add. Um, also took all those winnings that I had. Yeah. I, um, so I I don't like give them my credit card. Obviously, I do it through Bitcoin. Oh my god! So I, yeah. it, I withdrew it into my Bitcoin wallet. And oh my Bitcoin god! Bitcoin exploded. Jesus Christ! So yeah, <laughs> that worked out pretty damn well that for was, you, didn't it? That might have been like one of the luckiest things that's ever happened to me in my life. How much? How much did it go up for you? Like eight hundred dollars in Bitcoin? Oh, what? It, like fucking? Like, like what? Two years ago? Not even? Um, it, I haven't. It hasn't been that long, but like, I mean, that's my balance. I've, oh my god! I put less than half of that in. I, I probably have like a thousand in. Well, yeah, Zach has made a shitload of money. That's that's all <laughs> that's all we gotta say. Um, yeah. pretty impressive. Yes. All right. Just had to flex on all seven of the people listening. Yeah, for real. But <laughs> yes, I know you wanna. Let's end it. Um, <laughs> just for some context, uh, Zach and I both played Pokemon games growing up. Zach uh, was better than me at them, still is, played more than I did, uh, but we both share the same adoration for these games because they're really kind of weirdly fun. Probably like the biggest part of my childhood. Yeah, and it, it was a huge one for me too. Um, I, I honestly think like games like that help kids learn how to read. Really? Yeah. Like I think I'm much better at like write, like I'm, I'm like pretty good at writing, especially. I don't really like reading, but... I'm just better at like grammar and all that stuff, and I, I actually attribute it to like playing text-based RPGs. Oh yeah, okay, that actually makes a lot of sense because it is it is a fair amount of the game, but yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. That's interesting, but I really have a love for the third generation of Pokemon games. This is so funny because I talked about this in my last uh, podcast with Jackson too, my other friend. Um, third generation of Pokemon games are what I what I kind of started with and what I kind of ended with <laughs> as far as Pokemon, most Pokemon games went, especially Pokemon Emerald. And so, because I've asked you in the past this pretty much same question when I go back and get nostalgic and play these games again, 
we're gonna get our favorite teams, and we're not gonna draft. We're not gonna draft these because okay. like this is just supposed to be like a like the feels good thing. Okay. But let's start with your team first, okay. and then we'll just we'll just go back and forth. I, could, I couldn't even decide, so I did first team all Hohen and then second team all Hohen. <laughs> <laughs> of course I, you did. I tried not to overlap types, but I did a little bit on the second one. I kind of did too, so that's okay. Um, so my first team, I'll just, I'll just write off the whole thing. Um, Blaziken, Gardevoir, Agron, Absol, Milotic, Salamence. We have a decent amount of overlap. That's kind of funny, actually. I, I figured yeah. But let's let's I'll go through mine and then let's just go top to bottom and talk about them because okay. we actually do have a lot of overlap. Blaziken, yes. Zigzagoon. What? You, what you want an HM slate? Zigzagoon, <laughs> Golem. I actually had Sharpedo slash Absol, so um, I'm gonna go with Sharpedo then. Okay. Salamence and Rayquaza. Oh, you took a legendary. I, I took oh, I took a legendary. Oh, one. All right, so let's let's talk about this. Blaziken, but, easily the coolest third evolution starter in the game i actually still think trico is the coolest like base starter but he kind of sucks dick in emerald <laughs> uh but blaziken becomes like this absolute monster i don't think has any legitimate hard counter in the game until you get to like just pure water pokemon yeah. um just fucking cool that's that's pretty much what it comes down to Blaziken is my favorite pokemon of all time that's all i have to say about that unreal um what other okay overlapping ones we had um, salamance salamance yeah um so i also didn't want to take two of the pseudo legendaries do you know do you know what that means yes i know and i, and I know salamance is one of them. i forgot the other pseudo Metagross legendaries. is the other one pseudo, really yeah huh, i didn't know that actually it's, it's Interesting. if their base stats total up to 600 that's usually like what got it pseudo legendary because it's okay. not a legendary but like they they they're as good as legendary. yeah basically yeah. got it okay um, so i didn't want to like put them both on but yeah, I mean Salamence. A cool as hell. B like pseudo legendary. What I really, what I really appreciate about Salamence is that there's so much effort needed to actually get one because you have to beat the elite. Well, you have to beat the last gym. Yes. And then you have to go to this very, very arbitrary location. It's like in in Pokemon Emerald. It's it's one room in um, Mount Mount Meteor. If you, or Meteor, where, Meteor Falls. Yes, it is Meteor Falls. And it's yes. one room, you surf to the end, and there's literally like eight tiles that you can run around in. Yes. And it's like such a small encounter rate. And then you get a Bagon that's like, what, level... It's like, not high. Like 20-something. And then they're super hard to train. Yes. So it takes a very long yes. time to get it to that third evolution. Yeah, super slow level up. Yes, um, it's it's a grind. And then what, But the payoff is worth it when you get a Salamence and you're like, oh, I can literally kill her. I can, I can, <laughs> I'm never going to lose another fight. I am, I yeah. am God now. Yeah. Um, Absol. I wrote down Absol because of the design. Yeah. I never actually used them in really? like actual fights because I didn't know if they were good. I, can they do the swords dance cheese? Is that why they're good? Okay, oh, yeah. that's it. Oh, I just yeah. I like them for like best looking design. Oh yeah, design, design went into this a lot. Yes, <laughs> design is yeah. Um, so I saw you pick golem. I did pick golem I because didn't, I didn't, I didn't pick any like non Gen three. Like I know well, it. fuck, that's right. So yeah. my thing with Golem was that uh, technically not a Gem 3 Pokemon, but I never actually had one until I started using emulators. Oh, because Because I could never get one because I couldn't trade. So my first experience with one was after using emulators and the randomizer and all this stuff. And then I realized how fucking overpowered they were, like okay. how, how incredibly good they were. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, this is, this is on my Hall of Fame now. 
Yeah. That was like the greatest thing about using emulators <sighs> and being like, oh my god, like I can get everything that I could never get when I was a kid. Or so I to trade with. like speed up the boring processes of Pokemon oh, too. Yes. It's such a lifesaver. Yeah. yeah. Now All you right. can play a game. You can finish a game in like two days now because you can just like speed through it. If that, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. All right. Then you had someone that I already forgot. Uh, Gardevoir? Gardevoir. Gardevoir is just awesome. Like, amazing special attacker. Um, you can get it really early in the game. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> the, you know, it's, it's the fucking it Pokemon of, of the stupid other... Not your rival, but like the oh, yeah, the Wally's, other fucking weird Wally's, kid yeah. Yeah, in, in Emeralds. Yeah, that's why I, I, I never really got one for that exact reason, actually. Because I just... I fucking hated that kid so much. I didn't want to be like him. Um, I... So... Let's talk about Rayquaza first. Uh, I picked a legendary, yeah, yeah. I mean, but if, you can if, catch. If we were picking legendaries, like I would. 100%. He's the OG. He settles the debate between Ground and Kyogre. Tells them both to calm down and go to their rooms. Um, <laughs> and kind of garners the respect. He's also, if I remember right, stat wise, one of the best legendaries that like exists. So he's kind of just a baller. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can catch him before the Elite Four. So he has some use in the game. Um, if you use him in the Elite Four, you're kind of a bitch, but uh, <laughs> that's fine too. Who else did you have? Um, was I had Agron and Milotic. That's right. Agron, just fucking good. Just fucking yeah. Like, but why Milotic? Because there's not that many. Awesome. There's not that many good water Pokemon in Gen Three, if I remember right. It's kind of like. No, there's a lot. Really? There's a shit ton. I was looking at it and I was like, really? well, like Whale Lord's kind of good. Like Whale Ran is pretty good, oh, but like I don't ever remember. Oh, Steven had a Milotic, didn't he? Um, no, Wallace had a Milotic. Wallace had a Milotic. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, like, I I think Milotic's good because, like, kind of what we were just talking about of, like, Pokemon that I never used when I was younger. Because, like, the way to get a Feebas, or actually the way to get a Milotic, is to catch a Feebas, and it's in this, like, one route, and, like, um, the way you, the way it works is, like, there's certain tiles, like, in the water, that you can like fish on and it, you have to like hit the right tile and it's like a super low encounter rate so you have to like be on the right tile and like get so lucky. There's, there's a lot of effort that goes into it yeah, yeah. and okay. then which this is also just like so stupid you have to like increase it's like beauty stat because that was a thing and oh that's feed, right like, yeah, yeah. And stuff. um so yeah so you had to like you know farm berries that would get you like higher beauty stats and then make the poke blocks and then feed them to the Feebas and then like level it up and it's like huh. who would who in their right so mind so I actually I never even did that because I yeah, never yeah, I never did that who in huh. their right mind would do that but then you get an emulator and you're like oh, I can just cheat for one <laughs> that's incredible okay my last one a little bit of a meme but Zigzagoon is near and dear to my heart uh, because he is the most efficient Pokemon <laughs> that has ever existed he's you know, available in the first area of the game, can learn four HMs and some that he really shouldn't be able to learn, and picks up items for you, and yeah. is just a cute little raccoon. And every single time I play Emeralds, I will have a Zigzagoon. I will never level it up. Yeah. So I'll take him through the Elite Four at like level three, but that thing will have surfed me all over the world it will have broken every broken and moved every rock and cut every cut tree, tree cut every tree for me yeah. without fail and will have found me like various weird items sometimes even ultra balls which are actually like kind of clutch uh along the way so a special mention 
Yeah, no, that's that's a good shout out. <laughs> it's the best. All right. Well, I honest to God, I think we covered everything. Uh, wow, this ended up being kind of long. Um, How long is it? We're at two and two, a little over two hours, but we did take wow. some breaks. So yeah. no idea how long it's going to be after editing. But good. Zach, thanks for doing this with me. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun to talk to you. And, it was uh, a pleasure to be on the vaults. <laughs> I'm glad. And Just, uh, just want to say hey to uh, Luke and Zach and Mike. 20 years whenever <laughs> hopefully whenever we listen Ho- to these things hopefully back. you got your shit together by now <laughs> don't we all uh, thanks again and I'm sure you're going to be on future episodes with uh, a whole bunch of our other friends too alright sounds good